911, what's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody who's listening in on the Tactical Living Podcast. Lindsay, how are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? Good, too. We haven't caught up for a while. I know you weren't feeling good, and we were just talking for a second that you're feeling better, and I'm so, so glad. But you also have a really cute dog named Dawson. So how's he doing? He's great. He's uh, he's sitting here cleaning out his bowl for the 87th time this morning. <laughs> I asked that because uh, for the past couple of days, I have a Pomeranian named Beretta. And there's been some, at first she was like scooting on her butt and then she started to chase her tail, but she was crying. And then she stopped eating and drinking. And so and I, I haven't left the house like at all. So Clint had to take her. He left work early to take her to the vet yesterday, but they checked her out and gave her antibiotics. Just we also groomed them, so we think maybe we shaved her butt like too close, and just the hairs growing back are itchy. But I don't know if I believe that or not. So we will see. <laughs> but yeah, I, intuition, intuition. There are little fur babies, and that's exactly right. But tell us a little bit about who you are and how you help people. So, I'm a I'm a human potential coach. Um, I've been working with clients for about three years now. My focus right now is around brain health, fitness, wellness. So when I'm working with somebody, generally what we do is we start with a brain performance assessment to figure out what's actually going on inside your head from a biological perspective. And that test allows us to look at things like your overall brain voltage, the amount of power that your brain has, your physical and mental reaction time, as well as how well your brain is communicating front to back, side to side. That gives us a great place to start with. And then from there, I begin working with my clients uh, on neurofeedback programs, meditation programs. So the goal is to really develop a healthier brain so that you can have a healthier body. So what is that process like to be able to scan somebody? What, what is that? I come to you and what do we do? So the, the process is actually really simple. It takes me about 20 or so minutes to set up and it looks like a helmet. And that helmet has little contacts in it. There's 20 of them. So it's a 20 lead panoramic EEG that's FDA cleared. And what that does is it hooks into the computer and it's a five minute test. Once we get you all hooked up, that test sounds like beeps in your ear and you're going to be distinguishing between high and low tones and you're clicking a button. After that test completes, we do two more, which usually take a little under a minute. One is going to test executive function and the other test switching. So all it is is tapping dots on a screen for both of those tests. It's actually really cool and really straightforward. What got you interested in even wanting to pursue being able to test somebody for that? Yeah, it's it, it seems kind of random, right? How do you how do you stumble onto that? Um, I had my own brain issues over the last year or so. So about about a year and a half ago now, I had carbon monoxide poisoning shortly after I moved to California. The, uh, the wall heater in my apartment had been plugged up and I had no clue when I moved in. When I turned it on, it was venting directly into my living room. And I'd only been running the heater for about an hour a day, give or take. And what I'd been doing is right after I got done running it to warm the apartment up, I was opening all the doors and windows because by then it was warm. And uh, one night it got really, really bad and I felt busy and everything else. So I ended up going to the emergency room, calling the gas company, and it turned out I had carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, 
and I had symptoms, you know, after that. And those symptoms were kind of far, far reaching. Um, you know, I was a little spacey. I was having trouble with memory and motivation. And there was just kind of this, um, this fog over things. And it eventually led me to go to Amen Clinics. And Amen does in-depth SPECT scanning, which looks at the overall blood flow in your brain using a uh, radioactive dye. And it was interesting to find out that I had decreased blood flow in some of the areas of executive function, as well as some overactivation showing PTSD, which you and I have talked about in the past, is not a shocker at all. Um, I've had a PTSD diagnosis for 15 years now, um, but it was cool to see that on paper and seeing it lit up and activated in, uh, in living color was, was sobering. So being able to have access to a tool that helps me help my clients was really important to me. Um, but I think that's really where things shifted for me in focusing on brain health and understanding exactly how crucial it is because I just didn't feel like myself. Yeah, I can imagine like actually being able to like tangibly see what PTSD might look like in the brain for you. So in that moment, like being able to look at the scans, what was your thought process in that association? Relieving. You know, it's funny because I I'd very much, and like, like I said, you and I have talked about this, I'd very much, A, made peace with the diagnosis and had largely healed, um, or at least felt, you know, relatively healed. I was asymptomatic for years after lots of work on it. Um, but when he said that, I went, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. I recognize these symptoms now. I understand this. And it was a relief. I said, oh, God, my first reaction to the doctor was, what a blessing. Like we have a name for it. Now we know what's going on. That's no big deal. Now we just go fix it. You know, we fixed this before. So cool. Now I know what I'm dealing with, right? When you turn the light on and you know the big scaries that you're dealing with, the big scaries don't look so big and scary. Oh, that's really awesome. Do you think um, you're, com and this is completely up to you, but I know there are a lot of elements in your past that might contribute to a lot of the things that some of the people in the group might have experienced in terms of what has led up to cause those symptoms of PTSD for you? Do you feel comfortable talking about any of that? Absolutely. Can you just share a little, bit, a little bit of your past? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in an extremely emotionally abusive household. Um, my mother was a undiagnosed borderline personality disorder. So to say that she was a ticking time bomb was an understatement. Um, you know, something as simple as not doing the dishes could kick off a three-day screaming fit where it was just, night to day to night, just screaming over doing the dishes. Um, so I grew up in that environment, which was extremely stressful. She was at times physically abusive. Uh, my parents didn't have a great relationship. They were screaming at each other constantly, although they were divorced. So it was very nasty. It was hard to be stuck in the middle of that. Um, so when I was 17, I moved out and lived with a family member for about a year before I went to college. While I was in high school, um, and actually earlier, when I was about eight, I was raped by a cousin. And then when I was in high school, I was sexually assaulted long-term over a number of years by uh, my martial arts instructor. So all of that kind of compounded. Um, and the, the message that my brain got was that people aren't safe. There's nowhere safe for me to go. I couldn't go home. I couldn't go to the place that was supposed to be an outlet for me because none of these places and these people that were supposed to be taking care of me were safe. Um, so it was it it kind of compounded over time and it really culminated when I was about 19 years old. I started having really severe panic attacks and I will never forget the first one I had because I was pretty sure I was dying. Um, I just remember laying on the, the living room floor, 
thinking to myself, do I call an ambulance or do I try to drive myself to the hospital? Because I don't know what's going on, but I think I'm having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually a friend actually came and scooped me up. And, uh, you know, was, I was processed and released and everything else. But um, that happened probably three or four more times. And they put me on a, a low dose of Ativan for a long time. But, you know, at some point you hit a breaking point and realize you can't function like that. Ativan's pretty strong. And for me, I'm very sensitive to medications. Um, so even taking a quarter of an Ativan would put me on my butt for the entire day. And I was supposed to get up and go to work and be productive. <laughs> and that just wasn't happening. Um, so lots of lots of trauma work, um, a good amount of EMDR, you know, finding the right people, finding the right practitioners was was key in that recovery. Yeah, and, and it's really inspiring. Something that has always been really attractive in terms of our friendship is how much you seek additional information with the hopes of not only being able to test it for yourself, but then to be able to use that information and provide it to your clients. And I think it's awesome. I mean, of course, it's unfortunate to have to go through such traumatic experiences and by dealing with the symptoms of, for you, it actually sounds like CPTSD and not just PTSD. And so I I think it's awesome that you're always leaning into that additional information. So With the brain scan, if somebody were to come to you, they have the brain scan. I know that you travel to do these, um, you know, wherever somebody is, you'll go to them. But once they have that brain scan, what do you do going forward? So generally what we'll do when we have a baseline is get a good understanding of where you're at and what could be causing it. So if somebody presents with a low brain voltage, it could be a number of things. It could be nutrition. It could be sleep. It could be stress. There's a lot of things that can cause that. Uh, sleep and nutrition are the two most simple. And if somebody really has those on lockdown, things like supplementation can help as well. Exercise can also help boost voltage. So we look at lifestyle and we figure out what interventions might be uh, appropriate for that situation. And then we also set up something along the lines of a meditation or a neurofeedback program uh, in a longer course of, of coaching so that that person can learn how to call up specific experiences on command. So whether that's calming or attention or sleep, but training your brainwaves to actually call up those specific conditions that you want on command becomes really, really helpful. And over time begins to make the brain stronger. So I always refer to neurofeedback as like CrossFit for your brain. Um, I've not yet, myself included, had a client say to me, I'm not tired after doing that. Um, actually we, we hooked one of my friend's kids up to it. He's 10. Um, the cool thing is it's at home. You can do it on your phone. It's a simple headband with a little electrode on the top. So we hooked them all up and this kid is not cuddly at all. Like he's absolutely not the cuddly kid. And after he got done, he crawled up in his mom's lap and like a little baby just curled right up. He's like, mom, I'm so tired. I have to go to bed. Um, and every adult that I've worked with has had that same experience when they're done. So it's very much a, a very, um, it's an intense brain workout. And then meditation, as we know, shrinks the fear center of the brain, the amygdala. It shrinks that area responsible for fight or flight. And it actually strengthens your gray matter and your, your prefrontal cortex and your executive function. Good morning from St. Simmons Island, Georgia. <laughs> So, Lindsay, I'm just curious because a lot of what you're talking about, it sounds like there are some intertwinings of neurolinguistic programming in the in the workings of this. So, and this is just for my own selfish purposes, but we have the mapping of the brain. We realize where the areas of potential cognition could be improved and you indicate, but how do you know at which points? Is there is there a certain chart or something that you use as a reference for that? 
Uh, I'm sorry, for a chart that you use for reference on what aspect? We we had a little break on, there. Oh yeah, and being able to associate what areas of, let's say, deterioration or potential improvement should be carried out. With the scan, we can see the areas that have the highest and lowest amount of power flowing to them. Um, but each individual area of your brain is responsible for certain things. So the front part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, is, is responsible for your executive function. The area in the back of your brain, the occipital lobe, is uh, responsible for spatial reasoning. So there are specific areas of the brain that we know if there's decreased voltage, you're likely to have some kind of symptoms or some sort of uh, manifestation of that. Um, I don't like to use the word symptoms because it's not a it's not a medical treatment. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist, right? But to your point, neurolinguistic programming is really helpful when we're doing our coaching sessions because language is power, and the the words and the stories that we use to talk about ourselves and about our experience are really really important. And if you're constantly in that energetic state where you're um, kind of pulled into that negativity bias right? And you're constantly beating yourself up or you're constantly focusing on the things that you don't want to come out of uh, your experience. Your brain has to go to what it doesn't want before it goes to what it wants, right? So a lot of it is retraining the brain, not just on a wave perspective and the actual biological function of the brain, but also retraining some of those stories that become really ingrained with trauma. And the, the strange thing about trauma or the funny thing about trauma really is that it has the ability to physically change the brain. So a lot of times something like neuro-linguistic programming is really helpful because it's undoing some of the physiological damage that comes along with trauma that impacts the mental health, the mental health aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. So if you have a client and you do their brain scan and you realize that there are areas of the brain where the, the blood isn't adequate, and then you use that to hone in on what you should focus on and the exercises, the tools, the things, and um, they go about that, then what's the next step for somebody? You know, it, it's going to be a time thing, right? It's putting in the work and putting the time into, into doing it. So the way that my program works is we alternate. One day you'll do a meditation program. The next day you'll do neurofeedback. And we flip-flop those day to day. And then every two weeks we have a coaching session. So we talk about how it's progressing. We talk about what's going on and some of the results that you're seeing. Um, we talk a little bit about you know, where you're at, what type of help you need. One of my favorite phrases that I ask my clients at the start of every session is, how can I help? Because most, it, it stops people to slow them down to think, what do I really need help with, right? Um, so yeah, it, it's, it, it's a longer program, right? It's generally two, three, six months. And then roughly every three to six months, we're re-scanning to get a benchmark on the improvement on that scan. Um, and just for clarification, my scan actually doesn't look at blood flow. My scan actually looks at electrical activity. That's really awesome. Um, and I'm just curious because I know sometimes we think that there has to be something wrong with us in order to seek out a modality like this. So what type of people should be gravitating towards you if they, they're interested in, in this kind of scan? I, everybody. I, I am a firm believer that everybody should have a benchmark on what's going on in their brain. I've seen people that are 30 years old, 100% healthy. Um, you know, they're personal trainers, they're ripped, they eat wonderfully, right? They look like the poster of health. And then we scan their brain and they have an 80 year old brain. Hmm. They're pushing it too hard, right? A lot of times what I see if somebody is ultra productive or ultra, um, ultra healthy or over training, right? 
athletes are, are known for overtraining, especially when you get into things like endurance sports and, and marathoners, right? But that all impacts your brain voltage, which ultimately impacts your brain's ability to drive the rest of your body, which is why if you're training for a marathon and you're going really, really hard and you're not getting adequate rest, you run into what's called overtraining syndrome, where your heart rate actually goes up, you start to get fatigued, you have trouble recovering. The same is true of your brain. So if you're constantly stressed or you're constantly doing a lot of physical activity without a lot of recovery or self-care, you're going to see the same thing happen. Um, so I'm a firm believer that everybody should get a, a good a good baseline of it. Um, you know, people's brains are really interesting. You, know, you you're probably having some symptoms of dysfunction, but you may not necessarily register it. It can be something as simple as forgetting words, mm-hmm. you know, or word search, or just not feeling real motivated, or just feeling kind of overly stressed or activated. Um, which especially you know in in a lot of communities this constant activation from kind of chronic PTSD has people living in fight or flight 24 seven, which isn't what our brain and body were optimized for. How often do you do yours? Uh, I play with mine a little bit more. So there's actually a cost associated with each scan. Um, So I don't do it that often, um, but I've definitely done one every three months and I've done a couple of check-ins when I want to, when I want to run little uh, experiments, you know, like beginning and ending of seven day fast, something along those lines. Do you mind sharing like for your last scan, what the results were and then what you were able to change and, and readapt in order to improve that? Yeah, actually it's, uh, it's interesting. My first scan was in November that I used as a baseline. Um, and my, my voltage was right in the middle of normal. It was, you know, not, not super high, not super low, meaning my brain had average power, right? My physical and mental reaction time were off the charts. You know, they're always very fast. And the mental reaction time is how fast your brain is actually picking up the sound from your ears. And the physical reaction time is the amount of time it takes to get from your brain to your finger, right? So those key metrics remains somewhat the same, but my voltage dropped pretty heavily. Um, I've been under a pretty tremendous amount of stress, um, you know, the current environment and my uh, my corporate job that I work and just everything that's going on. So it was interesting to see the voltage go down and start to think about, okay, well, what's my nutrition been like? I've been eating like garbage. Okay, well, that makes sense, right? I've been eating a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't be eating. Um, you know, I'm under more stress than I normally am. So seeing that really play out in real time is part of the benefit of getting a scan every six months or so, especially if you're starting to play with things like supplement stacks. We can start to see what the efficacy really is for you specifically, especially if you're looking at things like nootropics. That's awesome. I would probably be doing it a lot more frequently than every three months. So it's probably good that I don't have- I, I do totally like bounce in and do it every so often. Yeah, I have like my, I have my setup, but yeah, I- I did one beginning and ending a seven-day fast recently. What was interesting is I I actually had improved function after my seven-day fast. Really? Yeah. That's cool. That's good to know. I know you and I decided we're going to be fasting buddies because we essentially did our last fast. Like I think we were two days off on our on our schedule. But I think that's super cool to have a tool like this that you're able to use because it's one thing for us to be able to measure the electro waves of our brain capacity and essentially like how it's firing off, right? When the the metaphor that comes to me is when you're like starting at the engine of a vehicle, like how good does that engine sound? And so it's really cool to be able to have something that's tangible. Hi, baby. (laughs) Clint says, hi, Lindsay. (laughs) 
uh, something that's tangible. Hey, Clint, what's up, dude? So I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like taking blood pressure for your brain, the brain is the only organ that we routinely treat without having any sort of diagnostic test. Yeah, I never thought of it that way before. If people want to gravitate towards you or learn more, more about the scan or potentially get a scan for themselves, how can they contact you? Uh, you can actually find me at alchemybrainandbody.com. And all spelled out. You can also find me on Instagram, Alchemy Brain and Body, uh, or on Facebook, again, Alchemy Brain and Body. Beautiful. And I'll put that down in the show notes and also inside of the group chat too. And then I'll link your name. Awesome. Cool. Well, have a good rest of your day. It's probably raining there and you're probably going to be sending it over here. So just keep it a little bit. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> cool. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.